0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: You are listening to the Cricket Corner Podcast with me, Watsalvora. Hello and welcome back to yet another World Cup preview episode here on the platform I hope you are really getting pumped, really getting hyped for the World Cup as am I because there's so much discussion, so much things to talk about heading into the World Cup and uh, we have already discussed about Team India and their chances heading into the World Cup. So I think it's only right that we shift our focus away from Team India for a moment and talk about their competitors and who are the teams which can go toe-to-toe against the likes of Pumbra, Jadeja, Ashwin, Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli and can possibly take take the World Cup to India and possibly win it if India fumble here or there or not because uh, I personally still feel like India are the favourites but uh, that That might be biased, but uh, yeah, what what else can I be talking about if the podcast is centered around Indian cricket? Jokes aside, I personally feel like there are three teams which have a realistic chance of competing toe-to-toe against India and possibly being a bit better than India on their day. And those three teams are England, Australia and, surprise surprise, South Africa let's let's start by talking about team uh team England that is the England cricket team we have heavily covered England on this podcast as well we talked about them in the ashes we have talked about Australia in the ashes in the Border Gavaskar series so it's only right that these two sides are also up there with India as the primary favorites for the tournament I personally feel like Australia England India and South Africa would make it into the semi-finals of the World Cup I earlier earlier in earlier this month I think I tipped Sri Lanka to be the dark horse of the tournament but the more you look at a team like South Africa the more you are impressed by them and I have changed my mind and I've gone with South Africa as the fourth side which will make it into the semi-finals but let's preview india's main oppositions main opponents and if you want to call it their main threats heading into the world cup as well and as we rightly mentioned before those teams are england australia and south africa i want to start by talking about england since they are the defending champions they will want they will be gunning to becoming the only the third nation to defend their world cup crown i remember west indies did that did that in 1975 and 1979 australia have done it multiple times themselves i think 1999 2003 2007 so they have won it three in a row and england are looking to become the third side to do that 2019 and 2023 the main core of the england side which won the world cup back in 2019 is carried forward into the 2023 world cup and it's right it's really important from the english side of things that they have those players still in their prime and who can still contribute at the highest stage of world cricket because uh, those those players who are going to uh, going to help England defend the play- uh, defend the World Cup are in the league of their own. You are talking about the likes of Pet- Johnny Stones in there. There's Joe Roode, Ben Stokes has returned from retirement and will be competing in the World Cup as a specialist batsman. Of course, you cannot cannot forget the captain, Joss Butler. There's, of course, Mark Wood, Chris Vokes, Adil Rashid, Moin Ali. So a lot of players who you expect to be featured in England's strongest starting 11 are part of the squad and it's a really a bonus from their side of things then you add in a few youth in the mix with the likes of Sam Curran his brother Tom Curran was there in the 2019 squad he's not there this time it's Sam Curran who is going to represent the Curran family (laughs) in India you of course have Harry Brook in there as well who can uh, come in into the middle order uh, and uh, score some important runs so England have a really good core and I think the core is the reason why they have been tipped as one of the favorites alongside India and Australia for the World Cup if if you look at England's lineup and I have jotted down a playing 11 comprising of their strongest players and it goes as follows you have Milan and Bairstow opening then you have Root at 3 Stokes as a specialist batsman at 4 then you have the skipper Josh Butler at 5. And then comes the magnificent all-rounder contingent from the English side. And those contain the likes of Liam Livingston, Moyn Ali, Sam Curran, Chris Vokes, Adil Rashid, and Mark Wood. I think the strength of England here, like let's forget the strengths. One thing I wanted to talk about before we talk about England's strength and weaknesses is that the inclusion of Harry Brook in the squad and uh, to to fit in someone like Harry Brooke in the 15 man squad England had to leave a uh, one day a veteran and one of their limited overs modern greats in the form of Jason Roy back in England uh, really really disappointing as far as Jason Roy is concerned he was amongst the news earlier in the summer when he decided to not signed the England contract he gave up, gave up on his England contract to play franchise cricket in the United States in the MLC but he did state that his primary goal is still to play for England and be part of the World Cup contingent will be heading to India unfortunately due to the circumstances and Harry Brook's good form heading into the World Cup it was it was either Milan Roy or Milan and brook or it was brook and jason roy now david malan scored 100 against new zealand in the series leading up to the world cup so that was a no no harry brook was in great form not only in the one dayers but also in the t20s which uh, which england played against new zealand right after the ashes series so i think harry brooks really cemented his place uh, due to those performances because let's not forget he was not part of the england setup which was l- not part of the the provisional squad, should I say, which England announced right after the Ashes series. But he made his way into the squad. And uh, it was either him or Malan, to be honest with you, because, um, oh, sorry, him or Harry Brooke, because ha- uh, someone like, J- uh, uh, I was going to say on Malan, but no, it's David Malan, isn't it? It's not the South African. Uh, Malan's uh, form of the order has been quite crucial. And, I think that's the reason why England was not so hesitant in dropping an opening batsman like Jason Roy because David Milan has been, has shown that he's capable of opening the innings alongside Johnny Bairstow. So I think England's uh, top order has really cemented its place now. And in all these there's, uh all of a sudden England have a left-hand, right-hand combination of the order as well in the form of Milan and Bairstow. So that's a positive swing to things while uh, uh while johnny Besto has been dropped so yeah as i said malan bestow root stokes patla livingston ali current works you bat till number nine you bat till number nine that is unbelievable like england have so much depth in their batting lineup it's it's unbelievable the, the batting depth that England possesses is, is the reason why these superstar players are able to go so hard up the order without worrying about a loss of wicket even if England are let's say 130 for 5 in uh, 25 overs you can still count them to be playing at six six and a half seven runs and over that is sh- down to the sheer depth they have in their squad and um, it is it, as i said it is one of the longest batting lineup in the world cup if if not the most ba- longest batting lineup as i said they bat till number 9 if they play the lineup which i forecast them to play but then again we have seen in the ashes that even mark wood can tonk the ball here and there and score those quick fire 20 30 runs like uh, mohammed shami used to do for uh, uh, the indian side and uh, that is also reassuring so if you include Mark Wood as a potential all-rounder as well, you back till number 10. That leaves only Adil Rashid who is not able to bowl. And that is just fantastic to see. So I feel like England have a batting lineup that can chase down any total which comes in front of front of themselves. I I, I personally feel like if they had if they bowl first and they are put in a target of let's say 320 runs, I don't think England would bat an eye on that target because they'll they have the strength, they have the depth as well. Someone like Ben Stokes at number four, we have seen how dangerous he can be with 182 against New Zealand. So, their batting is in form. They have veteran IPL players in the form of Pesto, Butler, Livingston, and Moinali who have played in India for so many, so many years now. And someone like Joss Butler who has who has been revelation who's been a revelation in the IPL he has nearly mastered the Indian conditions him having having him having someone like him in the middle order is also really really vital as far as England is concerned and I have no question marks over their batting lineup the only worry I see in this England setup is their bowling now don't get me wrong the likes of wood Vokes, Karan are excellent bowlers but um, the, they they are not world beaters if you if you if you know what i mean like they are not Cummins, they are not stark they are not hazelwood rapada uh, other like even india have some great bowlers like bumrah siraj shami i i personally feel like the bowling might be a worry and let's say if england are too bad first and they post something like 290 300 do you then back these bowlers to come out there and get you the wickets in 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 English conditions? Yes, but in Indian conditions, it's going to be a little tricky for their bowlers in particular. I think England and Joss Butler would be really looking. F- uh, add someone like Adil Rashid to have a really important tournament because he is their primary spinner heading into the World Cup. Yes, you have still have someone like Moina Ali and Livin Livingston, Liam Livingston who can give you a few overs here and there. So, England can at least expect how much uh, should we want? 25 overs of spin from those three three spinners if the deck is really turning and has nothing to offer to the likes of Chris Vokes and Mark Wood. You expect Adil Rashid to give you 10 overs and uh, between Ali and Livingston can you then expect another 15 overs? I think you can. Someone like Liam Livingston is not a 10 over bank in my opinion but he can still give you those four or five overs here and there. Similar to Moin Ali he can give you six seven overs in the middle if required. He is shown he has not bowled a lot when it comes to him representing the Chennai Super Kings in the IPL. But when given the ball, he has done really well. I remember a four-wicket haul in the 2023 IPL. I don't remember the opponent, but he was towards the early stages of the tournament. And he has shown that he has the capabilities of bowling in the right areas, getting the turn out of the wicket and troubling the batsman So personally for me, the fast bowling could be a problem, but if the wicket has some turn in it, I, I can fully expect the likes of Livingston, Ali, and uh, in particular Adil Rashid to exploit the turn. So that shouldn't be a problem. But but then again, I think the batting takes the ascendancy as far as the England side is concerned and, uh, and the bowling. While it lacks a little bit of quality here and there, but uh, I think it's very much good enough to... Propel them into the semi finals and possibly in the finals as well because wh- whoever comes up against this England side is going to face a lot of trouble, and that is mainly down to their batting and their depth, which they have shown in the batting lineup as well. So, for me personally, I, I would uh, predict England to at least be in the semi finals hunt. Top four qualify, I expect England to be there. Uh, I think they have got enough quality to defeat the likes of Pakistan, Sri Lanka. Uh, there's our Bangladesh, Afghanistan and Netherlands I think these should be should be wins for England and I think then it comes up against uh, and when they come up against uh, the big nations like India, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand that's when they might struggle here and there but I still expect them to get a few wins against the top opponents and make sure that they qualify for the uh, for the semi-finals. Yes England have a uh, England do have that how shall I put it? The odd defeat here and there against the Minos. They lost to Ireland in the 2011 World Cup. They lost to Bangladesh in the 2015 World Cup. They surprisingly lost to Pakistan in the 2019 World Cup at home soil despite Joss Butler scoring a century on that occasion. So they have that... How shall I put it? The odd defeat, the surprise defeat here and there against a minnow or an underdog. But uh, and that can very much happen against uh, again in this tournament as well, because this time it's in different conditions. You can see them slip up here and there, but I think they should still be fine and uh, should progress into the latter stages of the tournament. Let's move on from one team competing in the Ashes to another team which has actually retained the Ashes unlike the other one and that is Australia. I personally feel like there is a bit of similarity between the Australian setup and the English setup heading into the World Cup and that is mainly down to the all-rounders. Similar to how England will heavily rely on their all-rounders for not only the bowling side of things, but also the batting side of things. I think that's exactly the case with Australia as well. More to do with the bowling than the batting. Yes, the likes of Maxwell, Stoinis and Green are really good with the bat as well. But I think that bowling is going to come in really handy. And that is mainly down to just one reason, which is the exclusion of Aston Agar. Now, when you talk about the great Australian teams, you don't usually talk about Ashton Agar. When you talk about their Test side of things, you talk about Nathan Lyon. When you talk about their limited overs side of things, you talk about Adam Zampa. But Ashton Agar was an in interesting exclusion because uh, you have dropped him in favor of Manas Labushain now don't get me wrong Manas Labushain is coming into the World Cup on the back of some brilliant form himself 100 against South Africa in South Africa and has performed really well against India in the recently concluded ODI series as well but then you had an injury to someone like Travis Head but you decide to give him time and retain him in the squad and then you drop a specialist spinner in the form of Aston Agar to make way for Manas Labushain. I am sure Australian selectors are wise people but I personally don't understand the reason behind the same but, but yeah Manas Labushain is in and the exclusion of Aston Agar means these australians that are the australian management be it andrew mcdonald their coach and the captain pat cummins himself are going to heavily rely on someone like glenn maxwell to give them eight seven eight overs in a one-day international against in the world cup um, and i think that's where i feel like their spin is going to be an issue Adam Zempa is a magnificent spinner. Yes, he considered 100 runs in South Africa, but uh, the conditions are going to be really different when he comes and plays in India. And I don't expect him to be that expensive in the World Cup. So that's that's not a problem at all. But uh, the second spinner is Glenn Maxwell. If... Travis Head is fit then yes you can all obviously rely on him to give you four or five overs as well but uh, yeah i think australia will be relying on maxwell a bit too much for his liking but on on the other hand he picked up four wickets in the third one day international at rajkot against india so you you never know what uh, which kind of maxwell turns up he is capable of picking wickets and he's shown that but will that additional added pressure, added uh, burden on his shoulder, uh, propel him to better heights or makes him feel like under pressure and does poorly with the ball. Only time will tell you that. But um, apart from that, Australia have yet another another side which has a really strong and really feared batting lineup. We'll talk about their batting right now. We'll talk about their bowling in just a moment. In just a moment. But um, yeah, their their batting is outstanding, and similar to England, once again they have a steady opening pair who are right-handed. Who is one of them is right-handed, one of them is left-handed. So that makes things really easy for them heading into uh, the opening in or heading into the World Cup when they open the innings. So they have David Warner and Mitchell Marsh to open the innings. David Warner, left-handed; Mitchell Marsh, right-handed. If someone's uh, someone's thinking about that, Steve Smith at three, Manash Labhushain at four, and then after just four quality specialist batsmen, you are straight away into the all-rounders and the wicketkeeper. So we'll have Maxwell at five, Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper, at six. One of stoyness or green at seven i am i'm sure it has to be an or and not an and because maxwell has to be there in the team to give you the spin options and i think when it comes to seam bowling all rounder there is a choice between marcus stoyness and cameron green and then that outstanding outstanding world-class seam attack of pat cummins the skipper mitchell stark and josh hazelwood Regardless of the format, these three are right up there when it comes to a lethal trio of f- fast bowling. We have seen do, uh, two like fast bowlers hunting in pairs in twos, but these are the fast bowlers who hunt in a trio and uh, come in star Hazelwood on their day, have to be there in the lineup regardless of the conditions and regardless of the opposition with Adam Zampa, there's Adam Zampa, their sole spinner coming in at number 11. Now, question marks surrounding uh, Pat Cummins' captaincy. Someone might say, uh, I, I think I read it somewhere that he's just captain 4 one-day internationals in his entire career. But I don't think that is going to matter when it comes to the World Cup because he has had enough captaincy pedigree in his bag. He's captained in Australia in the Ashes, have retained the Ashes in English conditions, So that should be a problem. I don't think the captaincy side of things is a worry for them something that is a big plus as far as the Australian bowling lineup is concerned is the return of Mitchell Stark in the limited home was a setup. Mitchell Stark and world cups just go hand in hand. I think he's correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Uh, has he picked up like, I think he's picked up like 49 wickets. Has he in, in, in two world cups that he has played in. I think I saw that when I was doing the wisdom quizzes on Sporkle.com. Um, yeah 49 wickets or something in two world cups i think he picked up like 22 in the 2015 world cup 27 in the 2019 world cup so he is he's is charged up when it comes to the icc men's t50 over world cup and it shows he, he picked up a hat-trick against uh, the netherlands in the warm-up game in kerala as well so he he's striking at the perfect time and it's really threatening to see as far as an indian fan is concerned or someone uh, from the outside who is not an australian fan so the return of mitchell stark is going to be a big plus hazelwood is hazelwood in that game where india were going guns blazing with the likes of uh, shubman gill and uh, shreyas ayer with uh, k.l raoul in the middle order i think Josh Hazelwood was the one who had pretty much the best economy rate in that game. He, I think when it comes to the economy, controlling the pace of the opposition, I think Josh Hazelwood is one of the best bowlers to do that. Second in the all-time bowling ranking when it comes to ODI cricket as well. So he's finding his feet. He, he's probably found his feet in limited overs format. So that's a big plus as well. Uh, I think another positives when you look at someone like Australia is that they have an opening stand and a middle order which is contributing in all formats of the game likes of Warner and Mitchell Marsh have been going berserk up the order we have seen australia kind of playing like england and india when it comes to opening the innings that they go heavy early on and in the first 10 overs you won't don't be surprised if australia are 75 80 runs in the first 10 overs because that's how they are going to play and that's how they have played not only against South Africa, but against India as well. We have seen that they have they are not taking things lightly up the order. And someone like Mitchell Marsh has taken that opening slot like a duck to water, like a perfect glove for his right hand in a way. And uh, that is that is dangerous because someone like Mitchell Marsh, he, he is the perfect opening batsman as far as the australian side is concerned yes he's able ab- capable of playing at a ridiculously high strike rate of 130 140 but he's 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 giving that strike rate with some healthy run contribution as well he's sustaining that strike rate for a prolonged period of time we saw that against india where he scored 96 of uh, of of very few deliveries didn't he so not only is able to play quickly is playing quickly for a prolonged period of time and that gives you a real like a trampoline spring kind of a kind kind of a scenario for the Australian innings because let's say he bats for 20 overs and the Australians are already 150 or 140 then it allows you know the likes of Steve Smith the likes of Manas Labushin to play that natural game because uh, we know uh, both Smith and Labuschagne are quality batsmen and are very much capable of playing at a higher strike rate but uh, those kind of players when they play the natural game play at a strike rate of 85-90 and I think an early start provided to uh, these middle order batsmen by the likes of uh, David Warner and Mitchell Marsh is going to be really beneficial because that takes away the pressure from the likes of Smith and Labuschagne. they can go around Playing uh, playing at 80 85 uh, strike rate and then and they and the reason why they can afford to do that is because uh, they have an even more destructive lower order with the likes of Maxwell and Stoynes and even Alex Carey is go- is good enough to play at a healthy strike rate as well. So I think it's for as far as the Australian side is concerned, their batting lineup is attack, anchor the innings, attack. So the top order will attack, the middle order will anchor the innings and the lower order will uh, go berserk as well. So that is a great combination to have. For me personally, I would rank Australia slightly above England when it comes to the list of favorites for the tournament. As I have already mentioned countless times in the podcast, India are the favorites. I'll rank australia as the second favorites with england as third and south africa about whom we are going to talk about in just a moment are the fourth favorites for the tournament Uh, but yeah i think australia's team composition their balance is to the point and i think that's the reason why they are uh, in at least in my eyes the second favorites for the icc world cup in 2023 and Regardless of the form in which Australia have come, yes, one can argue that Australia are not coming into the best of the forms. They have lost the series against South Africa. They, w- they lost the series against India as well. Regardless of what team composition they played, they still lost the series, didn't they? Even though Because India weren't full strength either. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, they have enough quality. And when it comes to ICC tournaments, they you have to regard Australia highly because they have the tendency to perform at the big stage. They have... ...players who are capable of performing at the big stage as well... ...and I won't be surprised if they make it to the final... ...and even win it on their day... ...on their day I feel like Australia can beat anyone... ...regardless of the conditions as I've mentioned this before... ...and that first game... ...is it on Thursday or a Friday when at Chennai when they face India... ...I think that is going to be one hell of a game... ...and uh, what a way for both sides to kick off the, the tournament... ...because India versus Australia both sides first game could be both sides last game of the tournament as well should they make it to the finals and face each other uh so yeah really really excited for that particular match as well be wary of australia be wary of mitchell Start, if i'm personally honest with you but yeah um, once again quality side and i expect them to go deep into the tournament just like england and india uh a psa to all the fans who are going to visit Uh, the Chidambaram Stadium in Chennai to watch the Australia versus India game please don't wear yellow on just one occasion I know you guys love your yellow color I know your wardrobe is filled with yellow t-shirts yellow socks yellow pants but for one day at least don't wear anything yellow and please wear blue when you support team India in Chennai so yeah that is the Australian side of the things in this podcast and as I've mentioned um, quality side and I expect them to go really deep into the World Cup and are my second favorites to lift the whole thing. The last team which I want to talk about and are my underdogs heading into the World Cup but I still feel like they can do massive damage to any top size, and that is South Africa. I personally feel like South Africa have clicked at the very very right time as I said in the in the podcast when talking about Team India's chances for the World Cup I talked about that you need recency bias when you come into a big tournament like the World Cup because you want your big players to be performing at the biggest stage in the most in the last couple of months in the most recent times and that is exactly what South Africa have managed to do and you look at South Africa and you look and you instantly think of Oh, World Cup disappointment, chokers, potlers, Those are the kind of words you associate with South Africa when you play a big ICC tournament. Yes, they have not gotten past a semi-final stage in their entire history. Or did they play in the final? No, no, no. They haven't played in the final, didn't they? Oh, just correct me in the comments because I personally feel like they haven't played any finals. But yeah... I think South Africa over the years have always had strong sides heading into the World Cup, and I feel like this year is no exception. Yes, on one hand you don't have the likes of AB de Villiers, you don't have Faf du Plessis, but you still have enough quality players. You don't have someone like Imran Tahir, but then you have got enough spinners in your side in your side to make wave. For and uh, I feel like South Africa are going to come in a come in with a really good stru- squad and. And the reason why I have picked them to be the fourth favourites or the or the fourth side which will make it into the semi-finals is once again mainly down to their batting. The top six which South Africa possesses can be as destructive as anything. I feel like the top order is good enough, but their middle order, their lower middle order, is something which can which can ha- be havoc and through and be and go berserk against any opposition bowling i was losing words there because the quality of their middle order is just fantastic let me name you the top six okay so quentin de Kock, the wicket keeper we all know how dangerous he is up the order we have seen him do it time and time again for mumbai indians for uh, the Lucknow super giants as well so we all know how good he is in the asian subcontinent conditions Temba Bahuma. yes, Temba Babuma, the captain, is not the ferocious, attacking minded player, but he's still giving you important runs, he's still giving you valuable runs and uh, a huge plethora of runs as well. He's not just contributing here and there, he's giving you big runs. So that's your opening partnership. Someone like Russi van der Dusen, he's not coming into the World Cup with the best of forms, in the best of forms, but Russi van der Dusen is a one day specialist someone like virat kohli he he knows how to play a one day innings he knows similar to virat kohli not at, at such a high level as virat kohli don't get me wrong but russi fander Dusen he can play in those two gears with someone like virat kohli does at number 3 he can anchor the innings he can support the batsman at the other strike uh, other end uh, on the strike, he can he can complement a partner in that regard. He can play attacking shots as well. So, Russi van der Dusen at 3 is exceptional. And then then this is the tasty lower middle order which I was talking about. Here it goes. Aiden Markram at 4. He can give you some overs as well. So, don't forget about that. Henrik Klassen. We have seen his destruction in the IPL. So, he knows Indian conditions quite well. So, Henrik Klassen david miller i don't think us indians need any reminder of the fact how dangerous someone like david miller is he's done it time and time again for the kings 11 punjab punjab kings and the gujarat titans so that is your top six quinton de Kock, temba babuma rassi van der dusen aiden markram henrik Claassen, and david miller and then at number seven to bridge that gap between the batting and the bowling you have someone like marco jansen marco jansen Tall, fast bowler, left-arm pace. His bowling. Let's keep his bowling and bowling aside for a moment. His batting. That is what I want to talk about. He scored like some 47 of 23 deliveries, didn't he? Against um, uh, against um, uh, was what? Oh yeah, Australia, of course. And uh, he is very much capable of you know disrupting his way out of out of uh, disrupting his way towards the lower middle order, uh, towards the middle towards the. Lower order of the uh, South African innings. So he's there at number seven. And then you have some quality pacers and bowling as well. Likes of Rabada, Engidi, Maharaj, Shamsi. Those are some really, really good bowlers who can bowl really well when it comes to bowling in the Indian conditions. Um, Someone whom I have not talked about in the the middle order is uh, Riza Hendricks. He played against uh, Australia as well. I think he played in all five odis against australia didn't he so is there uh, if you want to you know replace someone like Classen, want to give him a rest here and there you have someone like riza hendricks experienced player 34 year old so he can come up and be a menace to menace against any opposition bowling lineup and then um we as we talked about marco jansen but uh, his contribution doesn't all just lie with the bat he is very much capable of performing with the ball as well. The le, now since we have started to talk about the South African bowling, I wanted to discuss the absentee and the big big absentee as far as the South African side is concerned is that of Andric Nokia. Nokia is is arguably one of South Africa's best bowlers across formats. I'm not just talking about limited overs format here, but his absentee has has gaped a major hole in the bowling side of things. I think Nokia's role in the South African setup was that to pick up wickets, to keep the run rate down in the middle overs. But now, he I think that will be a huge miss for South Africa and could be a huge miss for any 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 team which has Nokia in their setup. Uh, so that is going to be a mix, big miss. Down then you expect a lot out of someone like Lungi Ngidi and Kakiso Rabada because Rabada is a kind of bowler you want him to bowl up front and in the depth. So then you expect someone like Lungi ngidi to give you some good overs in the middle order. There's obviously Gerald Khotse, the 22-year-old who plays for the Johannesburg Super Kings and the Texas Super Kings. He's had a good uh, re- recent time in the South African setup as well. So you can even count on him to give you some few wickets here and there. And then when you talk about their spin options, I think, I think having someone like Marco Janssen at 7 could allow a team like South Africa to play two spinners in the form of Keshav Maharaj and Shamsi. Now, uh, Markram is also a kind of spin bowling all-rounder option. He can give you four, five overs here and there. So that shouldn't be a problem. But... Uh, yeah, if you want to play just one spinner, then you can leave someone like Maharaj out, play Gerald Khotse in his place. So that is uh, some permutation and combinations that South Africa can can look can look into exploiting. But in, in my personal opinion, I think you cannot count someone like Aidan Markram as a, a, an out-and-out out spin bowler who can give you seven, eight overs. You need Two, at least two good spinners who can give you, let's say, 18 overs between them. And I think Maharaj and Shamsi, could, we could see a scenario where South Africa play both of those players together. Um, but yeah, I think that fast bowling, despite the miss of Anrik Nokia I think uh, Marco Janssen, Kakiso Rabada and Lungi ngidi are very much capable of threatening any bowling attack. Now... The reason why I've picked South Africa as the fourth favourites or the fourth side which will be playing in the semi-final is because I think the the expectations, the pressure does, is not on them this time around, if you personally ask me. Pre, in, in previous editions of the World Cup, South Africa always come with not the favourites tag, but one of the sides who will do well in the World Cup because they had some quality players, likes of A.B. De Villiers, as we talked about, Graham Smith, Jack Kalisk. Hashim Amla, uh, Imran Tahir, Sean Pollock, those kind of players. Yes, none of them played together, but I'm just naming some good South African players from the past. But uh, this time around, yes, they do have a quality squad, but I think the the pressure doesn't seem to be on their shoulders. Uh, There's no pressure, but there are eyeballs and there's a difference. Having those eyeballs doesn't necessarily mean that there's pressure to perform. I think... There's no pressure to perform. They're coming in as one of the underdogs, as one of the dark horses to derail the campaigns of bigger teams like India, Australia and uh, and uh, England. But I think you should not sleep on a team which has so much pedigree when it comes to their batting. The likes of and Markram, Classen, Henrik when needed, David Miller, there's Temba Bahuma, Quinton de Kock up the order. I think they have got quality, quality batsmen. And I personally give them the edge to qualify for the semi-final. And that is mainly down to their lower middle order. The likes of Markram, Classen, and Miller. If one of them gets going, they are very much capable of playing at strike rates of above 120, 130, and uh, can propel them to a huge total or help them chase down those big totals as well. So, yeah, South Africa are right up there for me as well. So uh, I personally, as I've as we have talked about in this podcast already, I personally see three teams challenging India and possibly beating them on their day, and those are England, Australia, and South Africa. Now I want to end this podcast by naming by obviously talking about the other team which i left out in this discussion as teams which can trouble india and those are primarily sri lanka pakistan and new zealand it's almost criminal from my side to leave out a team like new zealand out of world cup contention uh, for not for not qualifying in the semi-finals to uh, to an extent but um, uh, I I personally feel like they still have a lot of quality in their squad. Don't get me wrong. The likes of Tom Latham, Kane Williamson is back. Uh, they're obviously Trent Bolt, Southie, Mitch Santner. They have got enough quality. Yes, an aging side. Don't get me wrong. All of their key players are well above 30 now. So there's a big transition coming in as far as the New Zealand side is concerned. But uh, yeah, I personally feel like New Zealand would be up there. I... I won't be surprised. Let, let's get that thing out of the way. I personally won't be surprised if they miss out on. I won't be surprised if they qualify for the semi-finals of the World Cup in place of either England, Australia, or South Africa. I won't be surprised if they make it in the semi-finals because they have got World Cup pedigree. They have been finalists in the last two World Cups, semi-finalists in the last four in the last three World Cups now. So they have got record behind them uh, but i i personally feel like the likes of england india australia and south africa just a smidget ahead of them when it comes to the quality of their side but once again new zealand are as i said exceptional not only with the bat but with the ball as well and uh, they could they could trouble uh, bigger sides but i i personally feel like they might be just short someone who would be just short is uh, Pakistan themselves as well. Um, similar conditions to how they are used to playing uh, since they also are part of the Indian subcontinent. Some have tipped Pakistan to make it into the top four and I can see why they have um, one of the best batting lineup as well. Imam Hulak is great. Uh, there is a Baba Razam, Mohammad Rizwan recently scored a century in the... Uh, in the warm-up games then then of course their bowling lineup yes they are without Naseem Shah but then again the likes of uh, Shahin Shah, Fridi and Haris Rauf are in the league of their own Shadab Khan wonderful all-rounder so they they are they have pedigree, and uh, there is no denying that fact but I personally feel like they're not heading into the World Cup uh, at the best in the best of their forms they didn't have the best of the asia cup series as well they, uh, they lost against india didn't they in that game uh in the super four so yeah uh, i think they have got enough quality but uh i feel like they'll be sh- uh, short of their targets because pakistan in the few last few world cups have not done well uh to be honest with you and i think that trend will continue in the 2023 edition as well sri lanka on the other hand um are missing key players aren't they like uh Hasaranga is not there. There's uh, doubts over Thikshana as well, isn't it? Or is he out? I am not quite sure. But um, yeah, uh, those would be some big misses as far as the Sri Lankan side is concerned. Yes, you could say that they are coming in a bit of form, that they made it through the Asia Cup final. But then again, we all know what happened in that Asia Cup final, didn't we? So we cannot... Yes, you should not have that against them. They they On their day, they are very much capable of troubling the the bigger teams as i already mentioned in the early stages of the podcast i did see them as the dark horses to qualify for the semi-finals but then again i am pipping south africa above them now but uh, i i think sri lanka would be there up and above the tops uh, top of the tables uh, and uh, i think they'll miss out by a few points by a few wins here and there well um but only time will tell. Um, there's no denying the fact that this World Cup is going to be one of the closest fought World Cups in recent memory. As we have already discussed, India, England, Australia, South Africa right up there. And New Zealand, Pakistan and Sri Lanka are very much capable of be, uh, beating any of the sides on their on their given day as well all 3 of those sides have enough quality in their team and i won't be surprised if either of them make it to the semi finals but uh, for me personally i would still go with uh, south africa england australia and uh, india in no particular order if you have stuck this far and you want to know my predictions for the world cup i personally still back india to win it i i and i back myself for an India versus Australia opening game and an India versus Australia uh, final game of the tournament as well at Ahmedabad. With India clinching their third one day World Cup title. But only time will tell. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I just wanted to talk about some of the competition which India have to face heading into the World Cup. And I think the competition is strong. But I feel like India are strong if not stronger if you know what i mean so yeah let me know your thoughts uh, of this podcast and let me know your favorites to win the tournament as well you can tweet it at me at mr watsalvora or the cricket corner podcasts uh, twitter account um, if if you have if you've enjoyed what i have talked about make sure you are liking sharing and subscribing on youtube if you are listening to this on any audio platforms like spotify or apple Podcasts, then make sure Give me a follow, give me a rating. And uh, for the time being, yeah, this is me, Watsalvora, signing off. Ciao for now.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2.